Father, we thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. Father, for those that took time out of the schedule to spend time with us in worshiping and honoring you. We thank you for the songs that have been sung. We thank you, God, just for a time to gather together and acknowledge those that have provided this freedom for us by defending this country. Less than 1% of the total population have made that commitment. And so we thank you, God, for those that have taken that opportunity of the best times or the best years of their lives, their younger years, to serve this great nation. And Father, as we look into this word, uh, look into your word, we ask that you will reveal yourself to us. And as we pull out the nuggets that you have for us, we ask that we will take those and that we will apply those to our lives, that you will be glorified in all things. We thank you. We honor you for it all. In your son Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are now into the second episode of our series called Nehemiah, God Rebuilds Us. The second episode. When we looked at Nehemiah last week, we saw that he was actually in a very good position. He was the king's cupbearer. And because he was the king's cupbearer, he had this special relationship with the king. But then he heard that things were not well. He heard that where he was from, from Jerusalem, was having some issues, that for 90 years they had been returned back to, it, back to their location, but they hadn't built up the walls. And the walls, the significance of the walls being built up was that that was the foundation of a city, the boundary of a city. It established the city. And he felt so bad about the city being, he began to pray and began to ask God, how can he help his brothers and sisters that were in Jerusalem at the time? And it got to the point that when he went before the king, the king said, hey, what's going on? And he told the king. And instead of the king being upset with him because he was showing such a distraught appearance before him, he actually told him to go. He actually gave him provision so that he could go, so that he could go and do what was in his heart to do. And then as we looked at Nehemiah, we kind of took it and we put that up against how we operate and how we do things and how everything that we do can be affected by that same type of disposition. As we look at our lives, sometimes we realize that our walls are broken down and we have brokenness within us and that there's complications in our lives. And if we do like Nehemiah and just say, God, please give me the wisdom and how to do this. And God begins to open up favor for us so that we can know what is necessary for us to begin to rebuild the walls. And so here we are still in Nehemiah. And we're going to be in Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, looking at the uh, first couple of verses. The whole chapter of, of Nehemiah, uh, fourth the whole fourth chapter of Nehemiah is what we're going to be doing on. But I just want to give you just a little bit to start into. So as you do your reading this week, you can look at it for yourself. When God has done this change in us, when he has positioned us or moved us so that we can go forward in what he has called us to do. We always had them kind of people. You know them kind. They say you ain't going to change. 
You know the kind. This ain't going to last long. You know the kind. The kind that give you no hope, no help, no healing. They just say this is just a phase in your life. You're just going through the Jesus phase. Them kind of people. Just like we go through that, we see in Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, that once Nehemiah and them began to reconstruct this wall, they went through the same thing. Nehemiah 4 and 1, we see it right here in the English Standard Version, says, Now when Sam Ballot heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the armies of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, Yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone walls. And so you see, you never have a person that's trying to put you down do it by themselves. They usually try to do it in a group where they got friends and, and support around them. And just like what happens with us, it's, it's happening with Nehemiah and the Jews. So Sambala has all these folks around him and all these folks that are around him are now making fun of them. And in that second verse, he said, you know, first of all, he calls them feeble. He said they, they don't even have the strength to do it. Can they do it themselves? No, they can't do it themselves. Are they going to be able to do this in one day? They know they can't do it in one day. How are they going to find stones, all this rubbish, all this trash, all this dirtiness, all that they, all this uh, rubbish that's around them? How are they going to be able to build something up like that? And then somebody else jumps in. You know, you always got that cosigner when somebody's doing some nonsense. The cosigner says, you know what? If a fox run up on the wall, it's going to knock it over. It's going to be so weak and feeble. And so they got all these folks attacking them, telling them that, that what you have set out to do, you won't be able to do it. You can't do it. You don't have the ability to do it. You don't have the confidence to do it. You just need to just quit and stop doing what you are trying to do. But today, we're going to look at the strategies that the enemy uses against us. And sometimes these strategies are internal. We use them on ourselves with our inner dialogue. Sometimes these strategies are external. They're the things that come against us from others. And the whole purpose of this is to prevent us from fulfilling our divine purpose on the earth. But not only are we going to look at those strategies, we're going to look at the contingencies in order to overcome these attacks. Y'all ready? Well, let's go ahead and jump into it. The first level of attack is ridicule, mockery. Ridicule is to be made, is to make fun of. It's an unkind disposition in order to cause humiliation. 
ridicule. Ridicule. Mockery is something absurdly or offensively inadequate or unfitting. If y'all from the country, make fun of. So the first level of attack, when you start saying, I'm going to live for God, I'm going to do godly things, the first attack that usually comes is folks make fun of you. You become the preacher boy, the preacher girl, the holy roller. You know, they, they start saying these little nibbling things at you. And when things go wrong, they say, oh, why don't you just call on Jesus? Or did Jesus help you do that? And they start making fun of you when things happen. So when these things happen and they start to feel like they're overwhelming us, what is our contingency? What is our plan? What is our defense against this type of situation? The first plan of attack or the first plan of defense is prayer. Our first plan, our first thing to do is to pray. Now, I want to emphasize the definition of prayer. Prayer is a dialogue with God. Notice the word that I emphasize today. Prayer is a dialogue with God. Notice again. Prayer is a dialogue with God. God. Now there's two ways of communicating. There's a monologue where there's one person communicating and then the dialogue means there's more than one person communicating. So you have the monologue which is what most people do during their prayer time. They sit and they tell God a laundry list of things that they need God to work out for them. But what we want to get to is the point where not only are we saying God what our requests are, but we're honoring him for who he is and the things that he's done for us already. Not only that, but we're taking time in the moment to listen to what God is speaking to our spirit. What is God saying to us? What is God bringing up to us what scripture is coming to our mind. What is he doing to cause us to start having this communication with him? So the first, when mockery and ridicule are coming at you, the first thing that you, we need to make sure that we're doing is praying. Now, I will because I, I don't want nobody else to, to have to do this, but I will admit that a lot sometimes when folks are on my nerves, prayer is not the first thing that comes to my mind. You ain't got to agree with me. Your nonverbals already told me you do. Sometimes you just want to say, I'll just slap the taste out their mouth and pray afterwards, but that ain't the proper way to do it. I'm just letting you know that's not the proper way to do it. 
having this communication with God, having this understanding that God is going to fight your battles. God is going to be your defense. God is going to overcome this situation for you. If we understand that, then it's easier for us to say, that's all right. You can talk about me. That's cool. But sometimes when you're feeling a little tired, you might not have gotten a lot of sleep that night. So you got a little sleep deprivation and things at home ain't going 100 percent. Things at the work ain't going 100 percent. And it's just everything just seems to be going off a little bit. And that's when that person will show up, that Sam Ballard in your life will show up and say something to try to dissuade you. And you want to go back to your old way of doing business. Let's, let's put a little physicality in this thing so we can go ahead and get it settled. We, I, I can show you who's, who's a soft Jesus freak. I can show you who it is. You know, and you start showing, and then it causes us to even go down an even further or even greater road because then we start feeling bad. We start feeling sorry for ourselves, and we start wanting to give up. Maybe I can't live this life because that's all the enemy wants you to do is to give up. The other part of this contingency for ridicule and mockery is perseverance. Perseverance is to be constant, to be continuous in our state of grace, in this salvation that we have to continue to live it according to the word of God. It's a steady persistence in a course of action. Perseverance, doing it again and again and again. A steady persistence in a course of action. A purpose, especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragement. That's when perseverance really begins to come forth and show forth is when you start getting resistance to what you're trying to achieve. I have some folks that I, I am assisting with uh, mentoring. And one of the first things that we talk about is to be successful, I recommend that you maintain a calendar. My recommendation. I say, if you're going to hang out with me, you need to maintain a calendar. So the first couple of times we meet, the first before I even talk to him, I said, show me your calendar. And nine, uh, I, I get 80% of the time, the first couple of times, I get a blank calendar. Or I'll get a calendar that just has a couple things on them. And I said, this is all you did all day? And they'll be like, well, really, I just did it right before I met with you because then I just remembered that, I, that, you know, so I just wanted to have something on the calendar so, you know, so you wouldn't get on me for not having nothing on the calendar. I said, but we got to do it right. And so it becomes this process as you stay consistent, as you stay persistent in filling out this calendar. Guess what ends up happening? Your days go smoother and all this time you thought you didn't have, you realize you have a lot more time. But doing it the first couple of times and stopping does not help. In our society today, we're in this big mindset talking about health. Going to walk one day is not going to make you healthy. Going to walk 
two days ain't going to do nothing but make you more so. But over time, as you continue to walk, you will discover that you're not as sore as you used to be when you do this walk. You can breathe a little better as you do this walk. And as you continue to walk, you'll start noticing maybe the pants that you used to have to jump into in order to get them on. Now they just slide on. You don't have to, they, you know, you bought them as regular jeans, but now they're skinny jeans because you have put on so much extra weight. But they're your favorite jeans, so you still had to put them on. But if you start doing things persistently, you will start seeing changes in what's going on around you. So when there's ridicule, when there's mockery, when folks start attacking you, saying that you are not going to be able to do it, the first contingency is what? Pray. Having this dialogue with God. Saying to God, I'm trusting you to make this happen in my life. The second thing is to be persistent. Persevere through all the obstacles that they throw your way. All the mockery, all the condemnation, everything that they're throwing at you. You begin to go right through it and stay consistent in it. I got a couple of scriptures I want to give to you regarding this. If you have a pen and paper, I recommend that you would write these scriptures down. The first scripture is Mark, the 11th chapter and the 24th verse. Mark, the 11th chapter, the 21st, 24th, I'm sorry, 24th verse. That says, therefore, I say unto you, what so what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Next one is one of my favorites. It's in Psalms, the 91st chapter. The 15th verse says. Psalms 91, 15 says he shall call upon me. And I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. The next scripture is 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter and the 58th verse. 1 Corinthians 15 58. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And for this contingency, I have one more scripture for you. And that is Job the 17th chapter, the ninth verse. Now, when you look in your contents, it's Job, not Job. Okay? They spelled the same, but the punctuation is a little bit different. I just wanted to make a note of that. Because you say, I don't see Job in here because you're looking for J-O-B-E. All right? That's not Job. Job is J-O-B in the Bible. All right? 
Job 17 and 9 says this. The righteous also shall hold on his way, and he that have clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. I like that verse because I started thinking about, yeah, if you don't punch them, then you could be stronger and stronger. But if you punch them, you're going to get blood on your hands. And so keep your hands clean. So that let me give you those verses again. Mark 11, 24. Psalms 91, 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Job 17 and 9. How do we deal with the mockery and the ridicule? We pray and persevere. We pray and persevere. The next thing that may come our way, and I'm going to stop after this. I got a couple more, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop after this because I want you all to soak in these scriptures this week. Because the next strategy that the enemy will try to use against you, they'll start conspiring against you they'll start planning a way to attack you and conspiring means that he's he's coming together to do something evil or illegal against you and as you're reading in that nehemiah fourth chapter you see the conspiracy that sam ballot and tobias was trying to pull off And what we find, again, for when somebody is conspiring against you, you start hearing about this person is trying to, the word we use today is set you up. This person is trying to get you in a compromising position. This person is trying to destroy you by setting up this trap for you. Our way or our contingency to overcome this type of situation, guess what? Again is prayer. Again, prayer is what? Our dialogue with God. Again, it is not the monologue of us telling God everything that's going wrong. It's us talking to God, listening to to what he is saying and grabbing hold of what direction he is telling us to go in. The second part of this contingency plan is not perseverance this time, but this time it's watch. Not talking about the thing on your wrist, talking about observing, keeping your eyes open and looking. It's paying attention, being on guard, being vigilant to protect against danger. Watch. Making sure that our eyes are open, closely observing. I have a few scriptures 
for you for that also. The first scripture is Colossians, the fourth chapter, the second verse. Colossians, the fourth chapter, the second verse. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Next is 1 Corinthians the 16th chapter and the 13th verse. 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, the 13th verse. If you're in the Abeka program, it's the letter B. <laughs> Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. The final verse for this time and this session, we're getting ready to end it in a moment, is 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, and the 11th verse. And it says, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. There's nothing new that the enemy's going to throw at you. There's nothing that has, he has not tried before. And if you have this dialogue with God, there's nothing that's going to surprise you. But we have to be watchful. We have to be observant. We have to be on guard. We have to be vigilant. So that when things come, guess what? It won't catch you off guard. And as you're reading in this fourth chapter of Nehemiah, you'll see how they actually did this. They, what they did was they had the tool to build the wall in one hand, and they had their spear for fighting in the other hand. They said, whichever way you want to come. If you want to just stand out there and talk junk, we're going to keep building. If you want to fight, we can fight. But this wall going up. And so they, you come up with these plans. And one of the reasons I call it contingency is because a contingency is something that you put in effect before the event actually occurs. So when something happens, you already know what you need to do. Well, this is one of the things we talk about to, when we talk to couples. We talk to them about if y'all have a disagreement, what is your contingency? Be mad at each other for a month? That ain't going to accomplish nothing. We have to have this plan. We're going to have this cooling off period of 24 hours, and then we're going to come together, and we're going to talk about this civil, civilly, or we're going to write it down, and we're going to hand the papers to each other. We're going to read the papers, and we know whatever plan you come up with, that's your contingency. So when you run into those situations, it's not an opportunity for the enemy to come in and attack because you already got a plan. Because I don't know about y'all, but when I have a disagreement with somebody, the enemy immediately comes in and says, you know, they don't like you. You know, they don't want to get along with you. You know, it, all this negative stuff. And it could have just been a disagreement of words. And the enemy always tries to bring what? Division. Because if he can bring division... He can bring destruction. Ooh, I like that. I just thought of that one. If he bring division, he can bring destruction. Ooh, I'm going to preach that one one day. But I want you all to lock into these seven verses I gave you today. I want you to really read over those verses. Make them a part 
of your psyche, your mind, so that they will then begin to become a part of your spirit because we have to have the ability to overcome. I am seeing, I am uh, interacting with folks that are so defeated. And a lot of times the defeat that they have is not from folks talking about them, it's from them looking in the mirror and talking about themselves. I ain't talking about you unless I'm talking about you. And like the old, old, uh, old crochet say, if the shoe fit, wear. But we have to stop looking at the mirror and saying we're not good enough, we're not strong enough, we're not bad enough. You know, you, you, you're just so awful. You know, you're too tall and they want short people. You're too short and they want tall people. You quit disqualifying yourself. If God has given you the indication to go forward and do it, guess what? He get ready to change it just so that you can do it. But we say, well, God, you know, you can't use me. I'm, I'm going to tell on myself on one thing, and then I'm, I'm going to leave it alone. So I told God, I said, I had this long list of things that, that, I, that I said, well, God, before I become a pastor, I need to do all these things. So I had this long list. And so God was helping me to accomplish them, helping me to accomplish them. My last one was to go and get my uh, master's degree. So I signed up. Get my master's degree. Took three classes, my first set. I failed all three classes. And this ain't, this ain't no, you know, 69, 70 failures. I mean, I was, I was like 50s in these classes failing. And so I had to call Miss Yolanda in. I said, babe, I said, I messed up. $1,500 of mess up. The army, had, the army had covered it, but because I failed, they was like, we want our money, man. So not only did it affect me, it affected my household. And so after I set up the payment plan to pay them back their $1,500, uh, I got up early one morning. I said, God, what's going on? And he said, you don't, because you don't believe you're worthy to be a pastor, you're sabotaging yourself so you don't have to do it. He said, but son, this is what you need to do. He said, you need to get it done. He said, because there's lives that you are going to affect because of who you are and the things that you've gone through. So if God's put it in you, don't let the mockery, don't let what the folks are saying, don't let, if God has put it in you, you have to say, God, you put this in me. I know you're making this way for me. I have to be persistent. I have to be watchful. I have to have this dialogue with you so that I can accomplish what you have for me to accomplish. See, I ain't telling y'all something that I read in a the theology book. I'm telling y'all something how I had to live. And it wasn't a lot of, a lot of the folks I talked to. I said, hey, I'm getting my degree in divinity. It's like, oh, yeah, go for it, go for it. But when I talked to myself in the mirror, dude, you know you can't do this. You don't really want to be a pastor. You know you really don't want to be a pastor. You just want to sit in the congregation. You know you, know you really don't want to do that. Yeah, I really don't want to do it. So I just, I just failed. Never failed a class in my life. I felt, what's that, what's that saying? I, I felt lower than, lower than a, uh, I had to step up on a dime. I was so low. You know, I was just, I just, but then God said, you, you're just sabotaging yourself. You, you, you're just doing this to yourself. And he's like, oops, 
it, it's time out for that oops stuff. It's time for us to get in the position that God has called us to be in so that we can accomplish what he wants to accomplish in us. All right. Maybe I just preaching to me today, but that's all good. I feel good about it anyhow. But we got to grab hold of these these contingencies. When it starts getting crazy, we pray. When it starts getting crazy, we just continue to persist. I'm going to accomplish this until God tells me something different. And I got to be watchful to make sure that the enemy's not trying to set me up for failure. All right. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look at Nehemiah and how he did things and to apply it to our lives. Father, we ask that the scriptures that were given today will fall upon the good soul of our hearts and that we will go forward and operate in the power of your spirit. We thank you and we honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.